Hello gamers from around the world. This is Boxenberger, the video game enthusiast from Germany, and I would like to welcome you to today's episode of The World of Gaming, your number one podcast, where we discuss everything that the world of gaming has to offer, games, news, technology, and we go through basically everything that the world of gaming had to offer over the course of the last week. And um, you guys have probably already heard it. This show is now also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. So if you want to listen after the fact, you can do that now, not just here on YouTube, but also via a podcast service of your convenience. And um, for those who do listen, audio only. I definitely also recommend to check this show out on YouTube because we have an awesome live chat with the best community out there. I already see so many familiar faces here in the chat. Welcome to you guys. And um, of course, but also a big hello to everyone who turns uh, in and listens after the fact. But of course, I want to also welcome my guests here today. Um, first, we have my good friend, Matt from Fun Speculation, host of the Xbox Ultimate podcast, host of the PM in DPM, panel member in dozens of other podcasts and part-time streamer. So welcome to today's show, my friend. Hey, what's going on, man? This is exciting. I'm super glad to be here. Um, this is how many episodes are you in now? Is this like... Number this is the five six, or six? Five, six, number six, yeah. Wow, yeah. I mean, dude, already an awesome show. Uh, I was super excited when you uh, said you were starting your podcast. And, um, Thank you. It's been a great show so far, and natural at it, and I can't wait to see everything that you do with this uh, in the future. And, hey, I'm excited to be here with Kay Asante as well because, when I, you know, I, we, we spent a lot of time together the last few weeks, me and Kay Asante. It's been awesome, though. Uh, but, yeah, we get to be here together on your show today. So I'm excited. Let's talk about games. Oh, me too. Me too. We have some awesome things to talk about. And, yeah, of course, I also want to uh, welcome Kay Asante. Um, it's an absolute honor that you have to have you here today. Um, he's the host of the uh, Gaming Circle podcast, panel, panel member of the Primetime Gaming Show, and of course, a very, very positive gaming community member. And that's mostly why I invited him, because he's just awesome to listen to. And I can't wait to chat with you gaming. And uh, we have a lot to talk about. So welcome to the uh, to the show today, my friend. Thank you so much, Boxenberg. I, I actually, you know, I, I'm an avid watcher while I'm actually working. <laughs> I'm supposed <laughs> to be working, but I, I got an ear to, to the show. And you know, you, you know, your, your show is as young as it were, but you can always tell how good it is based on all the, the repeat uh, community members that show up i'm seeing infinite umbra indie gamer a bunch of folks that we all love to to listen to and watch uh, and, yeah. and talk to in the chat and they're here so that that gives you your sign of approval I'm, I'm excited to be part of the show so thank you so much for inviting me yeah thank you man thank you both for taking the time out of your busy schedule uh, i know it's the middle of the day for you guys it's the evening here for me so that's probably easier but yeah i'm, I'm really glad you guys made it and uh, in case someone listens and doesn't know who these two gentlemen are you can find as always uh, their social their links to their socials and youtube channels and so on in the description of the show note just click in there and you will find directly the awesome content that they both do um yeah, and in terms of topics, we have a packed show today. 
uh, we have a lot to talk about. We will talk, about, of course, about Elden Ring and the, the awesome reviews it's getting. We will talk about something that basically no other major outlet picked up. Um, but we got a confirmation of the existence of a new Quake game and a new Doom game. Um, we will talk about Dragon Age 4. Fallout New Vegas 2 was teased by Jeff Grubb. We will talk about sales expectation, PlayStation VR 2, Twitch streaming, and so many other things. We have a packed show, so let's get right to it. And as always, I want to start a gaming show, a gaming podcast with the talk about the games of the week. <music> All right, gentlemen, this week we had actually a couple of releases. Horizon Forbidden West came out last Friday. We had The Witch Queen, Destiny 2, The Witch Queen came out. We had a couple of smaller releases like Monarch, Monster Crown, uh, Soul Crester, Martha is that came out and a couple of other smaller ones. And of course, tomorrow, the big one, Elden Ring is coming out. So um, have you been playing any of these games? And if not, what have you been playing? Mav, let's hear it. I've been playing King of Fighters 15. That awesome. game has okay. shocked me. Yes, uh, it came out, and I was I was really kind of anticipating it because there's not a lot of these 2D fighters that come out these days, especially ones that look like they've put as much time and effort as this uh, game has. They went all out on this, and you can even kind of tell on the uh, collector's edition that they put out there, the Omega edition. It's got, like, tons of stuff, like physical stuff. You got the art book it's like 119 pages you get lithographs you get a soundtrack cd um all of this it plus in the game you get like 39 fighters off the bat um i mean it, it's gorgeous animations are stunning flawless gameplay and man it, for me it's like a revival of the 2d fighting genre and then followed by that we got an announcement that street fighter 6 is coming yes at some point so yeah. uh, i do love those games i'm not like great at them you know, but I, I really have always enjoyed playing them. So I, I hope this is a renaissance to the start of a renaissance for that genre, uh, this, yeah. for this generation, for sure. It, it is a genre that uh, has a passionate fan base. Whenever one of the bigger ones come out, there's, there's really much hype from a, from a big part of the community around these fighting games. So, yeah, um, that's what was exciting about the Street Fighter Six announcement. We still haven't gotten... Um, uh, official confirmation on which platforms it will came out, but we had that leak where they, someone found some code, um, and uh, apparently it comes out on all platforms. So let's see about that. Yeah, KSNT, yeah, hopefully. Have you been? What have you been playing, KSNT? So <laughs> I've been playing what you are displaying on the screen here. Awesome. I will say. <laughs> Uh, and and I'm, I, I will preface it by saying I am an Aloy stand. I have been since the first one. I, you know, uh, um, I've said this on, on, on a few shows already. When that choice came for Breath of the Wild versus this, I chose this. I did go back to Breath of the yeah. Wild when I was done, but I did finish this first. And I've always enjoyed what, what Guerrilla Games does. So I'm about 45 hours in to this this, this story already because right i was i was awesome. uh, i was a little sick uh, over the week mm -hmm. so i didn't really get a chance to do much else and when you're when you're in bed you have a controller in your hand it, it just kind of goes down <laughs> time <as> flies <laughs> time flies yes. 
So I'm about 45 hours in. I'm loving, loving, loving this game. I mean, we we could talk even further about it, but it's just yeah. It it has its issues as all games do, but man, I yes. love this game. I've been, you know, I'm thinking about it. I'm dreaming about it while we're, we're podcasting. I'm looking at that, going, yeah, I love doing yeah. that too. <laughs> it's, it's, of, it's it's literally my my goal is to crush this game fully, not just the main story, but fully before I touch Elden Ring. You know, yeah. I want because that is also a huge game. So I don't want to yeah, play multiple indeed. huge games at the same time. So I'm fully invested in getting like the full package uh, mm. on on uh, Forbidden West before I move forward. But yeah, that's what I'm. It's been eating up all my time. I'm literally at the last boss in Sifu, okay. but I put it down to start this, and I haven't started Sifu back up since then. So that's where yeah. that's where I am right now. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, I've also been playing it uh, a lot. I'm not, I'm not 45 hours in, probably around 20 hours or something. Um, That's a respectable but, time right there. Yeah, I'm, I'm really loving it. I'm, I'm using every minute I got <laughs> to play it. Um, I'm, I'm kind of with you. Um, it's not that Breath of the Wild when the when the first one came out was was a bad game by any means, but it just didn't hook me as much as as this one did. And um, I, I absolutely love it. Uh, as you said, it has a couple of bugs, but tell me one open world game that ha doesn't have bugs these days. And I haven't discovered anything game breaking to be honest. Um, yes, sometimes we have a little frame rate dip um, or a little pop in here and there, but it's it's really nothing major. Um, so yeah, the worst yeah, and thing I'm, I've actually experienced as far as game breaking would be I've had to restart the game a couple times because maybe like uh, uh, you get to a spot where you're supposed to speak to someone to finish the story or whatever, and you mm -hmm. go there and he won't, you won't be able to speak to them. Like okay. you're supposed to hit triangle to be able to finish the story. Triangle won't pop up. And you'll do whatever you need to do, and it still won't pop up until you restart it, and then it pops up. You know, things like that. Okay. Little, little, nothing little like, oh my inconveniences, God. You know, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, A little yeah. inconvenient, but the game is just so good and so fun, and all the moment to moment. It's, it's to me anyway, yeah. it's, it's excusable, you know, and I'm sure there will be updates to fix all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, they have already addressed uh, many of the of the major issues that they are working on it. The first patch has already come out, and um, yeah, like you said, the moment to moment um, set pieces are just stunning. There's really around every corner something that makes your jaw drop to the floor. It, it looks gorgeous. It is yeah. just in the beginning. Epic and... I was scared for the big monsters, and now yeah. I'm like, like I said, forty five some odd hours in, and I'm like, give me the biggest monsters you got. <laughs> come on, there's me and the yeah. hugest, most disgusting yeah. beasts you got. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Beth, have you been playing anything else? Um, and did you get a chance to check out Horizon? Um, haven't yet. Uh, no, not not Horizon, but I, uh, Dying Light Two still. Oh, nice. Um, I Halo Infinite. I still still on that. You know, me and Kate play that quite a bit. So, mm -hmm. um, I'm just enjoying. There's, dude, there's like so much stuff to play. And that's yeah. my problem. There's so many freaking games that I love that I want to play that I have started and I haven't had a chance to finish yet all the way yeah. from Guardians of the Galaxy to Far Cry oh, 6 to I mean the, I, I love all of these games there's just not enough time and part of it's my fault because I it, get invested into multiplayer games mm -hmm. right and then the next thing comes out and I, and I get FOMO and I have to get it and then I start that <laughs> too and then, then something else comes out and then something else comes out so yeah um, I've been fighting my Elden Ring urge right but I don't know. It's gonna, I'm gonna lose that battle. I think so. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. After all those re reviews and stuff came out yesterday, I, I think that's gonna have to bite the bullet and and go for it. But we'll, uh, we'll. I've never been a Souls guy, so we'll see mm -hmm. how it goes. 
you know, I, I've bought them all, I've played them all, just never really gotten invested. But this one, maybe this will be the one. Maybe this will be the one. It does look absolutely awesome. Uh, I have yeah. to admit that. I I used to play. While we're on the topic, let's talk a little bit about Elden Ring. Um, I I used to play the Souls games. Um, Demon Souls was my first one, of course. Um, but um, after Dark Souls 2, I became a father and I had significantly less gaming time. And so I um, I kind of lost the patience for these Souls-like games. Um, and I really have not gotten into them. I tried Dark Souls 3. Um, last year or two years ago um i i just didn't have the patience uh, for it it's basically similar with mmos um i used to play so many mmos but um yeah they <laughs> are such big time sinks that um yeah i just dropped out of them and uh this time elden ring really looks good and i'm i'm still debating whether to get it or not but i probably will get it because it really does look great and i like like open world approach uh, games and this one it, it sounds like it has a really good open world do you will you guys be picking it up so ksante what yeah I'm, I'm like you you know when when parenting became a thing hashtag no possible games you know I can't, yeah. I can't do that anymore you know not enough time in the day i need to be able to do it in short spurts things like that yeah. Uh, as far as the reviews are concerned, when I saw all those 100s or 10s or everywhere, yeah. my, my, my sus meter came up a little bit. Like, <laughs> mm, you know what I'm saying? Like, how can yeah. everybody? Because, the uh, 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 like you said, the Souls game are a niche within a niche, usually, right? But everyone is all glowing about it. So, not only is my suspect meter up, but I also kind of want to try it because, I, yeah. I, like you, I've played almost all of them, never to completion. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because eventually you, you have fun with it and, and uh, a shout out to Pong Soul. He, 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 he calls them grazers. He, he's a grazer. I'm a grazer when it comes to this kind of, kind of, <laughs> kind of game. So, but no, I, I will most likely give this an attempt. It's just, uh, because everybody's glowing about it, but also yeah. like the, the, my, my, my thoughts on the reviews and things, it's like, it's a little bit, Hmm, because I, I from, and I, I'm waiting to see, you know, real people get their, get it in their hands and play it, but it's kind yeah. of giving me a little bit of cyberpunk vibes a little in, mm -hmm. in the beginning where the, the reviews are glowing, but then you hear, well, it doesn't run great on PC. Well, it doesn't run great on Xbox. Well, it doesn't, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. So, so I will most likely buy it. Right. Uh, mm. uh, but I suspect that what will happen is I will continue to know life uh, forbidden West here and wait for yeah. a few patches to, to, to land on there. And yeah, that's like exactly my thought as well. I, I just want to finish and take my time with Horizon. Yeah. Um, I did the mistake that I ru really rushed Dying Light. I absolutely loved Dying that's Light. It's on too, my list. But... I haven't even started it yet. It's definitely yeah. on my list, though. <laughs> but then I got uh, the, the launch date of Horizon got closer and closer. And I, in the end, I, I did rush it um, mm. just to finish the main story um, because, yeah, I wanted to move over to Horizon. Um, but the game is so good and i don't want to do it with with horizon as well so just waiting now mm -hmm. and then we'll see yeah. math elden ring metacritic on pc and xbox 95 and on playstation 97 and an open critic at 96 that is insane um yeah. i'm really no fan of of the the entire metacritic thing because i think putting a number to a game is, is doesn't tell the whole story of it mm -hmm. um that and and um yeah so I, i'm i'm not the biggest fan and and it's also not really transparent how they come to this but we have to admit these are 
really good numbers, one of the best rated games at, uh, on uh, Metacritic uh, to date. So what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I'm I, like you, I've, I'm never like one to just say, okay, that means it's a bad game if it gets like a bad, like if it gets like a 70 something or whatever, you know, but if a game has like a 30 on Metacritic, you know, it's probably trash, right? If a game has like a 95 on Metacritic Plus, you know it's probably at least most people are going to think it's great, right? So there's certain barriers there where you can go like, okay, that's obviously going to be something of quality that they achieve something here. And that grabs your attention. You know what I mean? So I kind of usually look at those as like, is as a gauge of is it broken or is it a good game at least or, or solid? And this is, it seems like it's a well above and beyond that. And including a lot of the reviews who, if you actually go and read a lot of them, have gone on to say masterpiece, you know, uh-huh. and words like that, which is not used very often uh, from these reviewers and uh, people that are staking their name to the, to these because they a lot of the reviewers that have reviewed this and given it these high scores don't usually give out that kind of praise as well. So it does grab your attention, and something like that makes an impact, right? It's, it's more of like a, a stamp of quality as much as it is just a, a score for me. Um, and it's getting harder and harder these days for games to achieve scores like this. Like back in the day, you know, you had a lot of games that were getting 95s plus, right? Because there was a lot less review sites out there that was uh, getting credited. There was a lot uh, um, less like clickbait type stuff back in the day. So you had more of like this overwhelmingly positive stuff for great games and you had overwhelmingly negative for bad games. Right. So now we're seeing all of these. It's like when a game hits like a 90, you know, that would have back in the day probably been like a 95, 96, 97. So like if this game is actually going above and beyond that and getting these 90, 97 on meta, that's like that's like near impossible now. Uh, You have to have a a almost universal across the board review base that all loves the game. And that's just really hard to do nowadays. Right. So. I think it's got like over 100 reviews now and it's still sitting at like a 97. Uh, so that's really amazing. And when something like that happens, it's it's really hard not to get swept up and like, oh my gosh, I got to I got to try this and at least see what it's about. Yeah, you know what I mean? You. Like, I agree. Yeah, it's because <laughs> like, am I not going to try one of the supposedly best games ever made now? Like, like, am I that guy? You know, so like you you got to like, for me, at least I got to I got to try it and and um, I really want to play it now, whereas before it was kind of like on my radar. It was going to kind of keep an eye on it. I knew it was going to review probably pretty well, but I wasn't expecting this, you know. So, so, so Mav, uh, yeah, the way the way I, I justify it in my head, and I think you should be able to do the same as well. We, we are lucky enough to, to have an audience that listens to what we say. So it's our responsibility to try these games out. This is how I get, exactly, I get past too. the FOMO. <laughs> yeah. You have to, yeah, I mean, to have like an actual good opinion on something, you know, right? Yeah, like people will ask, and, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and that that's a good point, too. You know, like so certain games I just know aren't going to be for me, right? And, and those, those games are like, okay, I'm the wrong guy to give an opinion on that, right? Because if you ask me if I like some random game that I've always hated every single thing in the genre, I'm probably not going to like it. Now, Souls games is is very interesting for me because I've kind of liked some of them, right? I have never gotten completely immersed and in, in lo- fell in love with one. Like So like Dark Souls, I, I enjoyed, but it, it never grabbed me to the point where I'm like, okay, I got to stay in this. I got to stay in this. I, I got to see, I got to get to the end. I got to get to the end. 
right? Uh, Sekiro was grabbing me a little bit more because it had a little bit of story to it. And then Neo, I actually really liked Neo, but then again, I, I got my head up against a brick wall and I kept repeating the same section over and over again. And I was like, okay, I'm playing something else. And then I just never went back to it. So that's been always my trepidation with this. It's not because of the difficulty. It's because of my patience level and time that will it respect my time that I am going to put into it. And yeah. uh, according to a lot of the reviews that I have seen, it seems like, yes, it, it will. And it has, is going to be rewarding because there's a lot of exploration and stuff in this as well. Right. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of story elements going with with a lot of the side quests and uh, something you can get completely immersed in. So that has me excited. The, the blending of that RPG open world aspect yeah. plus the Souls combat. So yeah, I'm hyped for it now. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I think like KS Center said, um, it's when when you do co a lot of content, and I think we all three do a lot of content on our channels. Uh, you yeah. kind of want to be part of the conversation, and uh, in the end of the year we will all talk about game of the year and i have zero doubt that this will be one of the games that we will be discussing as a contender and of course you want to be at least be able to give your opinion on this and if it turns out the game is for you that's fine um like you said not every game is for every gamer that's totally okay yeah. instance, i could never review a sports game I'm, i'm really not into them does that mean that fifa and madden are bad games No, not at all. Not at all. But I wouldn't be a able to, to properly review them because I, they are just not for me. So, yeah, prob I'm probably going to try it out as well. But let me catch up on some of the Super Chats. The first of the day comes in from Hertog Vin. He sends in a two euro Super Chat says, we need Killer Instinct 2. I couldn't agree more. I, it's beyond me that Microsoft has not done anything with that IP in nine years now. That is... What do you think? Do we need a Killer Instinct 2? 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. They've even talked about that, right? It's, it's surprising that they haven't. At first, it was we, ha we don't have a developer that can do it. I'm surprised they haven't you know, done, done a, a Crystal Dynamics and found a developer to, to farm yeah. it out to. I, I did hear some rumors of it. it's in early to active development. We shall see. But it's surprising it's taken this long. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Those rumors yeah. are interesting, you know, because mm. I, I think that this would be something that they obviously got to do, especially if Street Fighter VI is, ends up being PlayStation exclusive. Yeah, right? exactly. Uh, then that means, okay, yeah, you're going to have this diehard fan base of Street Fighter that's going to have exclusivity on a PlayStation. Well, what, what is mean. Xbox fans going to get, you know, for their exclusive yeah. fighting game? I think Killer Instinct is going to... I think, that they're, I think they, those rumors are probably true just because of it just makes sense. Like they like it if they just keep ignoring this franchise and not doing anything with it, it's just completely uh it's just really bad of them. Yeah. So I, I think it makes sense and I I that, that leads me to believe that those rumors are true. We're gonna get one. I agree. I agree. And um, Microsoft always talks about how they want to have a diverse lineup a port uh, portfolio in, in Game Pass. And um a good fighting game is definitely missing in, uh, in there. Um But let's uh, let me catch up on some of the other super chats. Um, the robot wins um, became a channel member. Thank you so much. Um, that will grant you access now to uh, early access to all my videos, and you have custom made badges and emojis now here in also in the chat. Thank you so much for the support. And then we have. Lucius Augustus um, writing in, he says, hello, gentlemen, there's some discourse around reviews, not finishing a game, but putting in 70 plus hours and giving a score. What are your thoughts? 
That is a fantastic question. See, um, all, let me let my guests go first before I give oh, my oh. spiel. You want to throw <laughs> us in the hot seat first? I see what you're doing there, man. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I can go first, but I want to be a, oh, a good host and give I give you the chance. Yeah. <laughs> Please, K K oh, Sandy, what are okay, your you thoughts? Oh, sure, uh, I want to sure. hear. It. I think it's a very nuanced type of a situation because I yeah. understand both sides of the house and. and and shout out to community good guy, Mr. Slow Mo Backslap. Uh, he was he was tweeting about this as well. You know, I see both sides of the house, so it's not a very easy thing. I think the way forward is to just disclose exactly how you came to your review and all the pieces of said puzzle. Because you know, the, I get the the side of the house that says, "Look, it's a seventy hour game. Once you play X amount of hours, you know whether you like it or not." I get that idea, right? And by and large, that happens to people as well, right? You. If you're, you don't have to finish Breath uh, uh, Forbidden West to know whether you like it or not, right? If you're yes. playing it for like six, eight hours, ten hours, you understand basically whether whether you're going to move forward with it or not, which is okay, right? Yeah. But the other side of the house that I also understand is the idea that hey, you know, what if it like Halo for instance, uh, as an example, you know, they say you're not playing Halo until you're playing it at least on heroic, right? If not legendary, mm. right? So, <clears throat> oh, excuse me. So if you're playing this game yeah. and you haven't sampled that part of the house, you will miss the di special dialogues that, that come up. Because remember, depending on the, the difficulty, the dialogue changes, different different things are sh show up. You know, if you haven't sampled all that, then you can't really say you've sampled the the crux of that game, right? So uh, some people say, look, if you ha if you haven't experienced the beginning, middle, and the end, what if it's a heavy story game that has a really cool twist at the end? You haven't experienced yeah. that. You, you, so both of them are very valid. I honestly think the way forward is to just say, look, uh, if you played it only on easy mode, hey, this is a game I played only on easy mode. I yeah. played this only on PC. I played this only, you know, because if you start going down that path of did you finish it or not, then all the other pieces matter as well. Difficulty matters. Yeah. You know, How many of the side quests did you do? Features, side yeah. quests, you know, all that. So it's just, I honestly think that these are just growing pains of, of a review environment where there needs to be maybe common common protocol for your yeah. review hey i reviewed this on easy mode i played this only on this i put this much time into it you know i played it as a casual or i i tried to know life at hardcore i'm a person that enjoys uh souls games i'm a person that doesn't enjoy souls games make all those disclosures up front and then obviously it's up to the person who reads it to to really get in in it and, and decide what they like about it but there's honestly no real wrong answer here it's not like you shouldn't or you should it's just need to be honest with your with your with your consumer base at least yeah. that's that's my opinion on it i i agree um i think transparency is key um always put out what platform did you play on how did you play the game like did you put it on super easy story mode just to run through that might impact your judgment on how good is the combat for instance in a game or something yeah and of course um did you finish how long did you play uh, I think transparency is key, um, especially with these insanely big open world games. It can be challenging for a reviewer. And, because... and I would just like to add real quick, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. No one should be shaming anyone for one way or another, as long yeah. as disclosure is there, right? All reviews should be accepted. It shouldn't just be, well, this is the only way forward. Oh, you're not really yeah. playing it. If, you know what I'm saying? Because there's a lot of that in the community, which is unfortunate. I'm, I'm sorry, please continue. Yeah, yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. Um, and um, like I said, with these big open world games where you 
probably need 80 to 100 hours to actually finish that game. Um, it can be really challenging for, for a reviewer because sometimes um, you only get like a couple of days uh, before the embargo drops the code. And then you that means you have to play like 15 hours a day uh, in order to be able to finish that and then make your video or write your article or whatever. It can be challenging. So that's why I think transparency is key. Um, and like you said, for most games, we can judge the game after a couple of hours. Um, but of course, does it can can you for instance when you play Red Dead Redemption One without spoilers? But that ending, nobody saw that coming. Uh, um, and uh, yeah, so does it impact probably the 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 overall judgment? Absolutely, if you haven't experienced it, but you can still judge the game well, uh, by playing it for like twenty hours or something. Um, I have a completely different yeah. view on this. On this. Now, okay, I, please I, go. I, 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 res, I respect. I respect obviously everybody's thoughts on this, and too, and it make very, very, very good points. Um, I think it depends on the type of game one off because a lot, a lot of games you can't beat. Like they don't have like a beginning mm -hmm. and an end, and and a, some of those games people consider beating them by getting a platinum or you know getting a thousand yeah. gamers score or or whatever, right? Um, but there's a, certain, a lot of games that have a beginning and an end right mm -hmm. um the credits roll right after a certain point you've reached in it it's a story-based game you you have a set amount of goals you have to get through and at the end of all of that the game is over and you've beaten it um now you got to look at it from the gr grander scale for me is that these review sites are reviewing these games because they want to reach their audience and they want to get clicks and the clicks gives them money and because they have ads on their websites and they ask their people that work for them to review the game and they assign it and then they want to get it out on day one so that way they hit the traffic but that is all in the interest of that review website first off right so you're doing a disservice actually by reviewing something that you have not completed and it's actually in any other industry, movies or whatever, if you actually review something that has not been completed to its fullest, that's a lie, in my opinion. Now, you you could say transparency, but you can also say, hey, this is an impression, like a review in progress, right? Yeah. That was also being transparent. You can, all, you can write up your progress of a review. There's numerous ways that these sites can do it. But if they initial, initial a full review on a game that they've only completed like three hours of 80... Okay, then that's that is may I ask you here what, what is completion for you? Does it mean including all the side quests, getting all the collectibles? What is is it just yeah. a main the story? Difficulty levels because some of them I, matter. It, the credits you know? roll. The credits roll. The credits roll. Everybody's gonna have their own unique experience within these games. So like everybody plays games differently. And yeah. I could play through one game and, and start the game and then finish the game. Where somebody else may have done every single little thing and like searched every nook and cranny of the map and done all these different things, but that's how he plays it. His review is from his perspective. My review is from how I prefer to play games as well. So I would ex look into it going from my perspective as the reviewer and how I attack this game, how I would normally play this type of game, right? So with the when the credits roll and you've reached from the beginning to the end, at that point, you got to look at it and say. This story has been completed, and now I can actually give a fair assessment of the beginning, middle, and end. What's to say there's not game-breaking bugs at the end of a game 
that complete you from finishing the story? Or what's to say that there's not a complete plot hole at the end of a game that messes up the story altogether? Or what's to say that, hey, the game starts off the first few hours with the story and it's a little rough, but then like Red Dead Redemption 2, man, the last uh, few missions on that and the, and the last uh, half of that game is one of the best things ever created in gaming, in my opinion. Story you know what? So, you know what? We, we are putting up a poll in, in, in chat and ask the community, what do you guys think? Yeah. Um, should you know, uh, reviewers finish games? I want to hear your thoughts as well, folks. So I put up uh, a poll in chat. Um, it should appear here any second. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Okay. I want to hear your thoughts. Um, it is, and, uh, it is real a real quick. On yeah. Mav, Mav's point, uh, I agree with you, Mav, a hundred percent. Like, like yeah. that's why I said I'm kind of in the middle because I, you know, every point you make is a hundred percent valid, right? But I honestly think the real sticking point of the reason why your point is valid is because these sites make it like this is our review, the yes, 100%, review, exactly. which is the problem. It Right, they, it's they not said review. The review. It's just one up side I, of it. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's, that's they that's broke generally it into a different. Thing. That's right. If they broke it yeah. into, hey, this is my completionist run review, or this is my easy mm -hmm. run review, and, and that's on is, them, then that they, makes the equation different. Way. You know? Yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. As long as we live in a world where this is the quote unquote, and I'm not just picking on them, it's just one one example. This is the quote unquote IGN review. Then that review needs to be a completionist run because it's the IGN review. But if it was mm. the IGN easy run review, that's different. If it's the IGN, you know, accessibility run review, that's another, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because yeah. they make that one de facto review, then yeah, it should really be a completionist run because you're representing the entire package rather right. than and, breaking and if, it into That's where transparency comes in as well, like you guys yeah. were saying. You have to be transparent with how you played the game mm -hmm. and reviewed it. But also, if you aren't completing it, then you can't have a complete review. It can only be a review in progress or an impression, mm. right? And the only reason they do this is so that way they get their, their final say, their clicks, and they're with all the other mm -hmm. uh, sites. If they haven't finished it, that's not, that's not okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, 100% you can't, with you on that one. You yeah. can't read like two-thirds of a book and review it, yep. right? A, re a book may take, you know, a week or, or more to read as well, right? Like you can't, you can't like review a book after reading a portion of it. Like you have to finish it and see it to culmination. Now, some games you can't finish, right? Some games you just keep playing and playing and playing, and it's just like it's ongoing, like live service games and all these kind of yeah. things. Yeah, and of those are different, right? But like a game like this has a beginning, a middle, and an end. You know, like you can't review three hours of this and say this is this is our. Well, to be I fair, mean, three hours is yeah. To, to be fair, though, with a game like Elden Ring, if you expect people to finish it before they review it, first off, you wouldn't get your review at the at the time it shows up. Which, to your point, so what? Do the do the work. I get right, you on that. Exactly. And yeah. secondly, probably only a few outlets would actually be able to finish the darn game. You know what I'm <laughs> that, that is true. To, also true. You know, and so most the of end, the reviews would be reviews in in progress, and it would just yeah. end that way. <laughs> It's in up the to end, them I to think one the thing game. they don't have to, right? True. Yeah, so true. One thing that we we should always keep in mind with reviews is um, people sometimes look um, at at reviews like 
being an objective kind of thing and that's mm -hmm. definitely not the case it's always a subjective uh, experience with the game it's always an opinion i would i would yeah, rather need to prefer emphasize it. the opinion more yeah exactly right. you can yeah. you can review for instance i don't know a tv or um, a processor yeah you have a proper benchmark that's where you can review actually yeah, something yep. yeah yeah an experience like a game is always an opinion piece and um yeah, so that, that's sometimes what people forget when they talk about these reviews. Listen, gentlemen, before we um, get the results from the chat I uh, um, and the poll I put up in chat, guys, you can all uh, still vote um, here in the, in the chat. We Do you think games should be com uh, completed before reviewing or not? And um, yeah, please, please vote there. I want to hear your thoughts. I want to uh, read two super chats. The first comes in from Drawn TJ. He asks, how many people can play together in Elden Ring co-op? I have read earlier today that up to three players can play co-op. I haven't tried myself, of course. Game comes out tomorrow, didn't get a code, but that's what I read earlier because I also asked a couple of friends, do you want guys co-op with me um, if, I, if I get the game? So, and they... The other super chat comes from again from Lucius Augustus. Thank you so much for the five dollars. Credits roll is a bad metric. If someone only played the main story of Skyrim and you reviewed based on that, you didn't really play Skyrim. Yeah, depends on the way that people play, but I think if they are transparent about how they played it, then the reader can actually take that into context. Upon their, uh, exactly what I said, transparency. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it it finishing a game is is really something different for every game, um, and th that's why I ask, yeah, how many side quests do you need to do in order to be able to judge a game and stuff like that? And a game like Skyrim has multiple main storylines. Yeah, um, so that's that's also a good point. Let's. Before we discuss the, the news of the week, um, I want to close the, the uh, poll and chat. Uh, we had 57 votes. Um, I just uh, quit that and now it's gone. Where, where, does it pop? where does the result pop up now? Ha! Huh. It is gone. Oh, there you go. So ah, there we go. 51%. <laughs> yes. yes. Exactly. Yeah, transparency. And pineapple on pizza sucks. 3%. Right. Um, Come that's on an now. entire diff <laughs> different conversation. Um, yeah. Um, so we can also say the community is torn here. It's really not that far apart, 51% uh, to 44. Um, yeah, it is, it is a divisive topic. Definitely, definitely. But gentlemen, we are already f almost 40 minutes into the show. And I want to move on um, to the news of the week because, yeah, we have um a lot to talk about there let's move to the news all right there we go the news of the week there have been so many uh, i want to start with something that i haven't heard anyone talk about so far um and that is a job listing at uh, zenimax studios um we have heard the rumor that apparently a Quake reboot is in the making. We've heard that for a while now. And this week, um, a job listing appeared on the Chenimax uh, official website um, for everyone to look up there. Um, and this was basically the first confirmation of the existence of a new Doom game and Quake game in the making. I, I want to quote, read a quote from the job listing. 
It says, we are looking for a passionate C++ developer to work with some of the world's best game developers to bring the iconic id software properties Doom and Quake to life. So that was basically the first confirmation, um, official confirmation. We have heard rumors before that, that uh, Quake Reboot is in the making, um, apparently um, um, staring a female protagonist, and it will have both multiplayer and single player uh, single player campaign. Um, Mav, what are your thoughts on this? Um, I, would you like to see such a Quake Reboot? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I... I've we talked about it several times before, like this was going to be probably one of the next big projects coming from, from them. Yeah. Uh, who was the hire? Was it id that was doing the, uh, hiring? Zenimax. Or- Zenimax. Zenimax. So yeah, that makes me curious. Zenimax online or because that a lot of these are, is curious because Zenimax it- is the overall arcing, right? And then you have different studios within that. Uh, yeah. The one studio we don't know what they're working on right now is id. Right, it's true. So, um, it is. It is on the Sandymax shop listing page. I just put it in chat for everyone. So if, if yeah. someone wants to read it for themselves, um, it's. Uh, but it says, of course, it is for its software at the Dallas uh, Texas studio and yeah. at the Frankfurt okay. offices. Yeah, yeah. So in, it, in Germany, it's it. Man. Yeah, it is it. Yeah. So that's big news, actually. That kind of confirms that. That confirms know, what, it for the first what, time. What we had anticipated uh, yeah. happening is after Doom and after this acquisition, they were going to revive Quake, right? And that's a huge franchise. I mean, their their showcase that they do here in Dallas, because I, I live in the Dallas area, is is QuakeCon, right? Yeah. It's what started yeah. it all for for them, and and uh, it's one of the biggest PC franchises out there in history uh, for yes. shooters and all this stuff. So uh, it makes a lot of sense. And we talked about this, like, well, out of all the all the IP, man, they got Quake. Like, it's crazy. Absolutely. That they actually have Quake. So yeah. this is going to be a big deal. And people maybe look at this, look, Quake, we haven't really had a good Quake in a long time. But this, they're going to put a lot into this, I bet. And it's going to be a big game for not only oh, single yeah. player, but, like, Quake has always been also about the multiplayer. multiplayer. Yes. And it's going to yes. be a big deal. I think that's always the difference, uh, or was always the difference in between Doom and Quake. Doom was always kind of more campaign oriented um it had multiplayer components yes but um for quake it was definitely the arena yeah. fights it's, in quake oh yeah um, that's like like unreal tournament almost like like yeah. fast twitch based arena arena shooter gameplay right exactly. it's one of the founders of yeah that. and and it's uh it's going to be a blast to get a game like that and it's going to be cross you can imagine it's going to be cross play it's going to be on pc xbox and be able to play it in cloud gaming and all this stuff and with yeah. the id tech engine and what it's capable of oh man uh, we have we have a lot of things to be excited for. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, it it are amazing that the I've said it in in one of my videos where I talked about the the uh, Xbox game engines um, that it is probably the the most powerful they have right now, especially in the shooter space. Um, it tech is uh, they are there they are wizards. They have always been. They they always yeah. pushed rendering technology to the next level. And um, rumor has it that they are already working on the next iteration on the ITEC 8 engine. So um, that's definitely going to be f- fantastic. Um, KSanti, you you would take one on uh, a Quake reboot, I hope. Oh, heck yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> uh, I'm an old school gamer. I, I live in that world of beginning, middle and end. And, you know, mm. ID Tech is one of those those engines that has been with us for a long time, which has been in my humble opinion, woefully underused 
So every mm-hmm. time you see it come out with a new iteration, and, and for those who, are, who aren't aware, it is one of the core engines for a lot of them. You know, uh, Source Engine from Valve came from id. Yeah. A bunch of other engines that you, you hear spoken about source from from id tech right and so you know anytime we see a new iteration of it it, it's exciting i want to see what they do and they push the envelope forward and just so you understand literally what the id tech does like you can play games like doom at like 300 frames per second on like (laughs) normal pcs insane right that's insane we're talking about uh, elden ring locked at 60 on a pc right now yeah. tech goes hundreds of frames per second and it still yeah. looks beautiful right so you know anytime I mean, they use it oh i'm, I'm excited oh, yeah. to see what it happens and to revive a franchise that we've loved from the past you know like you were saying very focused on multiplayer i am definitely especially now that they have they have the you know their in-house microsoft backing money all of that it's it's really exciting to see what any of those studios like really when when set free and not having to worry about any anything else besides the creative aspect of it super excited to see what they actually do with it you know yeah absolutely absolutely um gonna be interesting because they have a, done a tremendous job with rebooting um doom and if quake gets the same treatment um that that's going to be absolutely awesome mm-hmm. we shall see when we hear about that game um i mean they have been quiet for three years Quite now. Quite some time, yeah. yeah. Them yeah. and machine games, just like hush. Yes, you know? machine games, <laughs> yeah. uh, even longer, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like four years uh, yeah. plus uh, that they haven't uh, yeah. said anything what they're working on. So, yeah, let's move on to another news bit. Um, Dragon Age Fear is also a game. You guys anticipating Dragon Age 4? I love the original, dra- the, the, the last Dragon Age games. Yeah. But to me, it's more about what Bioware is going to do, you know? Like, yeah. they are one of the the, the old, great uh, developers that now seem to be kind of on a razor's edge. You know, you don't know where it's yeah. going to fall. So th- this is all like, you know, and, and you know, I will always be a, a, a Mass Effect guy before yeah. Dragon Age, but I've played all the Dragon Age games. This is just me hoping that they pull it off so we can still say that Bioware is one of those great developers. Because if mm. this doesn't hit it will drop their pedigree so low it'll be just unfortunate for me you know so that that's mm. i love my dragon age games and when it comes i will definitely play it but my, my focus is more on please pull this off right this is your last mm. chance come on bioware show <laughs> us that you are still who you used to be you know ea said that they want to shift the focus over uh, a little bit more to what made uh, bioware um, create in the first place. Um, mm. Let me let me quote something. Um, yesterday we had uh, that there was an interview with um, the studio general manager at Bioware. His name is Gary McKay, and he says about the next Dragon Age game. For the next Dragon Age, we are right in the middle of production, which is a great feeling. Our blueprint was completed last year, so we are now focused on building out our vision, creating amazing environments, deep characters, strong gameplay, impactful writing, emotional cinematics, and much more. The blueprint for the game is well understood, and the team is now focused. So that's quite a statement. Um, that it aligns really well with what we have heard last week. Um, last week, Jeff Grubb the well-known insider in the gaming industry said uh, that he has heard that the game is in a very good shape, that it meets all the milestones and uh, that it is on good track for a release in late 2023. So that kind of goes along with the statement that the Bioware studio manager, Gary McKay said yesterday, Mav, 
you looking forward to to Dragon Age? What I do you anticipate from that game? Yeah, uh, Dragon Age, one of my favorite franchises. Um, I I was really pumped originally for the first Dragon Age because it was a spiritual successor to one of my favorite games of all time, Neverwinter Nights, right? Mm -hmm. And the when Bioware moved on from the Dungeons and Dragons license and the whole EA acquisition and all that stuff was happening, and they they made Dragon Age. They built their own, uh, their own um, the whole lore and, and 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 gameplay systems, you know, and everything instead of using Dungeons yeah. and Dragons, which they had used in the past, and that became Dragon Age, right? So Dragon Age has been this thing that I've loved. Um, now uh, I've always wanted to see how it's going to progress, right? Because Dragon Age Inquisition was very different than the first two Dragon Age games True. that we got, yeah. right? Out, but I loved Dragon Age Inquisition as well. <laughs> but I, it makes me wonder. But it was, like, it was what, a different game, absolutely. Very yeah. different, very different. Um, but it makes me curious, like, where is it going to go from here, right? Because mm -hmm. I think Dragon Age Inquisition excelled more in story, whereas mm -hmm. the original games excelled more in the traditional, like Dungeons and Dragons, almost like style CRPG gameplay. Right, yeah. so uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Dragon Age Four is. I, I can't wait to see it, but I've been waiting for news because it's long overdue. I, I, people forget Dragon Age Inquisition won a lot of Game of the Year awards uh, back yeah. in 2013. Yes, it did when it came out, right? Or 2012. Yeah. I don't remember exactly. What I year, think but, 14. Uh, it was. But yeah, it, it won Game of the Year. Yeah, yep. I remember it was IGN's Game of the Year as well. Um, yeah. And that it was a very successful game. So to take eight years now, and it's by the time that this releases, probably ten. Uh, in yeah, between the games is pretty insane, man. It, it just came out show... November 2014, yeah. Yeah, it just goes to show all of the uh, stuff that's been going on with Bioware, like the failure of Anthem, and then, yes. you know, what's... Bioware is not Mass the Effect same. Andromeda, yeah. Right. See, Bi but... Bioware is weird, right? Uh, Jade Empire got a 9.9 .9 out of 10. Never heard mm. from it again. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? Oh, yep. it's unfortunate. Yeah, I I'm just excited to see now because it seems like bioware is starting to get on the right track a little bit you know yeah. uh the mass effect legendary edition really uh was a great job and uh really uh have like how the, they worked with that game yeah. um so while we'll, we we'll talk see, about man. mass effect um gary mckay also had to say something about mass effect and uh the progress of of uh, the next entry in that franchise he said um they are we are actively all actively prototyping new ideas and experiences. Triple A next gen games take a long time to make, and we know our fans may want them sooner. But our number one priority needs to be quality, and that simply takes time to get it right. So basically, he confirms they are taking their time with the next Mass Effect, that they are still in the prototyping phase, where they which means basically they're trying to figure out what is the game supposed to be before they go into full production. Um, so I don't, wouldn't expect that game uh, for a while. I think that's probably four years plus out. Um, I would with say that kind further. of statement. Yeah, probably even yeah. further. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think Dragon Age will be probably like two years away, and then uh, yeah. I would at that point think Mass Effect maybe even be another three, three plus. years from that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. Let's talk about another rumor uh, that came actually out today, um, again from Jeff Krupp. He says uh, the following about um, a beloved IP um, and probably my favorite entry in the franchise, Fallout New Vegas 2. 
yeah, I think Fallout New Vegas still was the best Fallout today. But that's just my opinion. Um, he said, this is very early, but people have begun to have talks and they say words in sentences. And these words are Obsidian and New Vegas too. We are talking years and years away. There's at least an interesting and conversation and uh, conversation. There's at least an interest and conversations happening about making something like that actually reality. So Jeff Grubb has heard that there are is or are talks ongoing about a Fallout New Vegas at Obsidian. Um, definitely something that I see people get excited about, and rightfully so. Kesante, what do you think? Um, good thing. I mean, Will it happen? I mean, at this point, with as many studios as Microsoft has, with as much as, and, and I said this on Boom Show a, co a couple of days or weeks ago, the giant has awoken. The, the money giant has awoken, and he has he has a lot of money to spread around to, and they pay close attention to these Twitter streets, as it were. So any of your favorite IPs that are foregone conclusions, you should assume are foregone conclusions. Mm -hmm. It's exciting to hear this, but I'm not surprised at hearing this at all. Like this is not a oh mind blown situation. I'm looking forward to them actually beyond the rumors, right? And we were talking about this uh, before the show started. Yeah, yeah. Beyond the rumors, I'm waiting for them to come out and say, "Hey, guys, this." We will is what talk we're about doing. that in a second. Right? Yeah, I just right. want to this hear quick thoughts about a Fallout exactly. New Vegas. Um, exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah. I love I love the Fallout series, uh, and and New Vegas has a different a different style than the mainline yeah. Fallout, and because of that, it's garnered such high praise. So I'm looking forward to yeah. them really putting some effort into it. But yeah, like this, this is, I, I filed this under the column of duh. Of course, they're, they're doing it. Yeah, they, own, it they own all the pieces sense. of the puzzle. All they're going to do yeah, now is yeah. put it together. You know, so you know three years yeah. after after the original Fallout New Vegas came out in 2010, um, so uh, in 2013, the uh, head of, of Obsidian Entertainment actually came out and talked about the studio wanting to make uh, New Vegas too. But there were a lot of things going on. Of course, there is the the entire thing, okay, the, the IP doesn't belong to them, Cinemax um, has the rights to the Fallout franchise, and a lot of stuff happens. Yeah, now, this isn't an elsewhere. issue anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, now this is not an issue. It's all Xbox. Obsidian belongs to Xbox, Cinemax belongs to Xbox. Mm -hmm. It is easy for them to pick that IP up again, and Obsidian has been... Um, uh, or or they, they really have that intention to be that powerhouse studio in the xbox studio roster they talked about publicly that they want to release a game each year they have multiple project teams going on bigger and smaller games yeah um we know about avowed we know about outer worlds 2 we know about grounded that still hasn't officially released um then there is this um, other smaller game um that is rumored to be a disco elysium type of game i can't remember the uh, the code name for it. There are a lot of stuff, uh, projects going on, bigger and smaller. And Obsidian is really striving to be that that big powerhouse studio within Xbox. So it definitely would make sense for them to get uh, another chance at Fallout New Vegas. But um, Mav, I want to want to ask you something. We have talked now about um, rumors that we heard of Quake. Now we got an official confirmation through the job listing. But for a long time, it has been rumors about Quake. We talked about Jeff Grubb putting out rumors about Dragon Age, Fallout New Vegas is a Jeff Grubb rumor. Kind of feels like that insiders like Jeff Grubb, Special Nick, Jess Gordon, they all seem to carry the news these days. Um, Xbox hasn't come out uh, pro with proper announcements 
basically since E3 last year. They had that little show uh, at Gamescom, but that wasn't really news. And they have shown some gameplay at uh, for Hellblade 2 at the Game Awards, but uh, that's... Well, we knew Hellblade 2 is coming. Right now, the news are dominated by these insiders. And um, I want to ask you and put this out for the discussion also with the with the people in chat. Um, by the way, thank you guys all for tuning in. We have already 115 people watching you live. Awesome. That's awesome. Welcome to the show, guys. Um, Mav, the question here is, does Xbox need to to make their own news again? Do they need uh, an event or an, a bigger announcement, um, uh, official blog post, whatever, to come out and take over the narrative again? Because right now, insiders are carrying the news cycle for Microsoft and the narratives around Xbox are, are made basically from and by fanboys. Do you think that's healthy? Healthy? What, what are your is, are your thoughts? Um, well, it's, they've had to make a they have to make a shift at some point just because of yeah. the amount of things that they have. Right? There's just too much, so they can't. Yeah. In the future, they're not going to just be able to rely on one show, right? And I think yeah. they're in the process of kind of figuring that out because they came from within a short period of time, what five studios to now uh, thirty. Plus, so after the plus, Activision yeah. Blizzard uh, deal goes through. Um, so they're in the flux area right now with this. And then you combine what happened in 2020 where there was no E3, so they had to shift. And then everybody got the drip feed news then. But there was a lot of complaints about that as well. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. I, I remember a lot of people saying, oh, we don't like this, like, small drops of news every once in a while. We want the big show, you know? So then the next year... They give us the big show. And in the first half of the year, a lot of people were complaining, like, where's the news? Where's the news? And then uh, we get E3, and everybody's like, oh, my God, they just killed it. And uh, we got all these games releasing for the end of the year. So I think right now what it feels like for a lot of people is there's just, you know, people see these games releasing on PlayStation. There's a lot, a lack of new game announcements. There's a lack of trailers going on. Yeah. But people are starting to go like, well, where's our stuff? Where's our yes. stuff? But yeah. then... Once E3, well, E3 is not going to happen, but once whatever the summer yeah. show ha happens, if that's the route they decide to go, they're probably going to have an amazing, crazy amount of stuff there again. So it's just about riding that wave. Now, it, like I said, though, it, they got to make a shift at some point because they're even with a two hour show, even if that's how long they go. They're still not going to be able to have enough. Yeah, with Thirty-five to to studios. That's that's a pretty right. packed show. Yeah, to show everything they have, plus also show some support for their third-party developers or the thir yeah. the third-party publishers that they have partnerships with, and and other games that they're doing uh, coming to Game Pass. So they got to figure out a cadence. I anticipate something smaller every once in a while coming into the future. Um, but was still the big show because I think they see the impact that that had it that catapulted them last year into the second half, right? Uh, Halo Infinite wowed people at E3. Forza Horizon 5 stole the show at E3. You had a lot of other games and nobody else really showed up. You know what I mean? So I, I think that um, they see the value in that, but they, they got to figure out okay, well, how do we get some of these other announcements out there and not just rely on that as well. So we're going to see a shift and I'm, I'm curious how it's going to go. Is it going to be like Nintendo direct? Is it going to be kind of like what PlayStation does, right? Where they have the numerous like uh PlayStation showcase things. And then they have the one larger one 
you know, later in the year. Um, so it, I don't really know what's going to happen, but I feel like right now there's a lot of talk about this be, just because Horizon Forbidden West came out and there's not a game on Xbox and there's just it's a bunch of rumors, right? So um, yeah. patience will pay off because the second half of 2022 is going to be crazy and we nobody's going to be talking about this, you know what I mean, at that point. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. Okay, Sandra, what do you think? What, what well, are your I, thoughts? By and large, I completely agree with Mav. You know, uh, yeah. it's because of the hey, wh- wh- where, where's our stuff, right? Uh, I do also agree that they probably need to transition to more of a a PlayStation, uh, a Sony Direct, a Direct, the Nintendo Direct style thing, which yeah. they haven't really transitioned to that just yeah. yet, right? Yeah. But obviously, with so many studios, eventually you're gonna have to. You know, and 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 I would say the the ID and Xbox team has been doing small little drops here and there, but they haven't really been promoting it. So if you happen yeah. to just go to their channel, you'll see awesome indie games left and right, but that but that were just dropped for days, and they didn't really announce anything and make any fanfare there. So, but honestly, the the to to answer your question directly about the 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 insiders basically controlling the narrative right now, I think for because a lot of them, some of them are newer titles, some of them are early early in development some of them you won't mm-hmm. see the, the code names won't become real for many years i yes. honestly think that's the scale bound effect happening right there you know they've been bitten by mm-hmm. that one too many times and phil even said it himself that he's learned that until it's something real to show the public he's just not going to do that and I'll, uh, unfortunately that was a thing he made in his mind when he had five studios or, or a little more than that and now you got 35 plus with with support studios and all of this so maybe there's some change that needs to happen there you know and yeah. I'm hoping that that and all of this is is of course under the frame that that COVID is also a big factor that slowed everything down. The the wheel yeah. stopped for a while before it started turning again. So yeah. it's made everything even more prolonged. Through than it COVID, used to be basically every development, uh, exactly. every game developer yeah. lost at least a year. Yeah, yeah. exactly, a hundred percent. So yeah. I'm hoping that in addition to we start seeing more action in in the way of smaller uh, announcements here and there that you'll also see that you know they'll start because they don't need to keep the, the reason why that narrative is being driven by the, by those insiders is because they get the details on those code mm-hmm. names right mm-hmm. and we probably under normal circumstances we would never even hear or see anything about them for many years to come until they're at that contraband level where there's a short little trailer or something yeah but since we have absolutely nothing right then then obviously the, the insiders can take the ball and run with it so I'm suspecting that once the wheel starts turning a bit more and you start seeing a bit more of them being more vocal, that these that this narrative that's always coming from the insiders and shout out to those insiders because without them we would not have Absolutely. much, right? Absolutely. So, so yeah. it's it's good that they do what they do, but I don't think it'll matter as much when you have that. I don't know if anybody has checked out the Netflix uh, YouTube channel where every month there's the new movie, right? When that starts mm-hmm. happening for Game Pass and for Xbox, then you'll see less and less of those those code names being relevant. I think it's a yeah. matter of time and patience. You know. Another thing, uh, too, real quick is right now they don't have access to really their full resources to be able to uh, have a big events because they do have a couple things that they can do now at their disposal. Right, because they they're going to, they're going to have QuakeCon, 
mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, that that is an event in which big things actually get revealed. Uh, Doom was yeah. originally shown off at QuakeCon. They have right? a lot of cons yeah. these days. Yeah, don't cons. Yeah, BlizzCon, BlizzCon is also. Cons. <laughs> and not only that, but they're also going to have like they also have the Call of Duty League. They have all, they're going to have the uh, uh, all of the MLG stuff that, that's tied to all the Activision Blizzard franchises. Uh, yeah. uh, the StarCraft League, all all those different things that they do there um are going to be have big stages and a large audience watching all of these events right and all of these can be utilized for a game reveal or so and i wouldn't be surprised if they don't utilize all of these in the future to help bolster their uh ways of marketing Yeah. yeah um I agree. I think the the cons will play a big role once the world gets more back to normal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I still think um, there are mainly two issues with with the way how Microsoft is basically communicating right now to the fans and um, and the uh, and and the gaming scene. Um, the first is yes, um, you Matthew, you're absolutely right. Um, once you have a big E3 show, everybody will forget about the last six, eight months yeah. where there was a strike spell. But I agree with that. I think the way how Microsoft positioned themselves with all the acquisitions, people now always say, we have so many things in development, so many things. And if you have so many things and so many studios and so many projects and all these project names and third-party deals and stuff, and you talk, don't talk for months about them, it it just it feels it just doesn't feel right. Um, it feels like you're not really open with with your um, with with your fan base. And Microsoft always says they want to be open, transparent, and th- they are. Don't get me wrong. But having a uh, um, every once in a while a, a, a proper game announcement or or just an update on, a, on an already announced game is something that I feel they need, really need to do. KSN they brought up the direct format, the Nintendo direct format. I think they can do both. They have can have that big show in the middle of the year where they bring out their cinematic trailers and everything and still have um, every three months, a 20-minute show where you just give an update on, on certain games um, and give the people something to look forward to. They have already announced around about 20 games, first-party games. Just talking about first-party games, yeah? Um, it's it's really a lot that they have already announced, but they have been quiet for years on some of these announcements. And um, with all these studios now in the Xbox roster, well, Activision Blizzard still is, isn't officially part, but they still already have 23 studios. I think they should be able to show at least um, every three months uh, something for a game. And here comes in the second point. Microsoft has always been... Uh, I want to say bad at showing games, to be honest, because what do I mean by that? They never show gameplay. Microsoft really does not like to show gameplay. When the Xbox Series X came out, they have not shown Xbox Series X gameplay up until launch. It was the influencers like the dealers and Colts and Rand, L4 and so on that put out the first gameplay on Xbox Series X. It wasn't Microsoft. They, 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 had the entire um, E3 last year, except Forza, Motor, uh, Forza Horizon 5, um, the entire show was without gameplay from their first-party studios. Third-party developers, they have shown they have shown Stalker 2 gameplay, but they didn't show first-party gameplay. Microsoft does not like to show 
gameplay. And I think that needs to change. They need to be um, they, a little bit more, more transparent there because um, you can announce, for the, when you announce for the first time a game, you can announce it with a CGI trailer. But then you cannot stay silent for two, three years and don't show anything about the game. I think this is really the thing that Nintendo and, and Sony do a lot better. Sony is very well known for these vertical so, slices. Can, yeah? Yeah, can, I, can I add something to that for you? Yeah, yeah, sure, quick? please. I honestly think you are right, and I agree with you that they need to do better. But I, think, I honestly think it's, it's a different method of management for them, right? Because like you're saying, Sony and, and, and Nintendo like to put out those vertical slices. And I'm sure you know this, vertical slices aren't literally pieces of the development pipeline. They are yeah. a piece that's carved off that then a piece of the same team goes and works takes on out just time. for the it purpose. takes out time of the, that's right. of the development team. The, exactly. And Microsoft has yeah. been fundamental, like from way beginning, they don't want to take away from that development time to make that vertical slice to show people. Now, there's a plus and minus to that because, and the minus yeah. being you leave your, your, your customer base starving, if you will, right? But PlayStation and, and, and Nintendo have always been, you know, hey, let's throw some meat at them a little bit. It might, it might delay things by six months or a year, but at least they have something to be excited about, right? So mm -hmm. I won't say that their method is right, but it's definitely, like, there's always a misconception that, why don't you just show what you have? It doesn't okay. work that way, right? Because yeah. if they did, I, it everything is. would be ridiculous. They, yeah. What they would show yeah. you would I mean, be terrible, right? We got Hellblade 2 Vertical Slice, right? Yes, they did. Uh, exactly. Recently, yes, and it was did. amazing. At E3 yeah. last year, we got Forza Horizon 5 gameplay, and we yeah. also got Halo Forza Infinite. Forza Horizon 5 was almost pretty Halo Infinite done. was uh, was the day after the show where they have actually shown the gameplay. The it multiplayer? It wasn't yeah. the multiplayer trailer the, they showed at their It was just E3. a montage of 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 stuff. It wasn't really gameplay. in the gameplay clips in the trailer right well um it was a, a fundamental trailer, change of, it, of how they do it you know everybody does yeah. it differently you know? my my, my yeah. point my point is though is that like those are the games that we got last year at e3 that actually were releasing this mm -hmm. year right mm -hmm. and you know when they do a cgi trailer it's usually because the game's further away and then we get gameplay closer to release it's the same thing that sony does you know, uh, God, we didn't see God of War Ragnarok gameplay until recently, and it's slated for this year. We didn't see Horizon Forbidden West gameplay until recently, and it was and it just came out right it, all within the, about a year uh, window of release date. I think, yeah, but but I at least think, a I year think, up front that you have to but be. But I think Xbox is yeah. doing that. I think no. Xbox is which, doing which that. Game, like, which game have they shown with gameplay a year before its release? Everwild, uh, Halo Infinite. <laughs> was uh, Everwild gameplay? Good uh, point. Forza, okay. Horizon, Forza Horizon Five was five was was, was two months recent, but Three? Halo. Yeah, Hellblade, two months. No, no, no. Hellblade, Hellblade Two. Yeah. We don't even have a release date. Yeah, we Hellblade Two. That. Hellblade Two is probably right. the only one that the they have shown. The other ones just probably aren't ready yet to yeah. show. Yeah, you know, yeah. and like at, at I'm that just point, saying yeah, that I, I other agree. It'd, it'd be nice to take some some yeah. time, but like we may get that. We did, we have been getting some of that, but it's only been what's available and ready in the pipeline to show. Mm -hmm. What's that. almost done is what they're showing. Right, they can't yeah. they, like we're asking them to go and like just make stuff to show us for the sake of it. Exactly, and I don't want that. I want real stuff. Hundred percent. You know you. what I mean? Yes. Like I, I want real stuff I, that I can be excited about. That's going to be an actual representation of what I'm going to play. 
I completely yeah. agree with you, Mav. But the the side effect of what because of you and I are on the same page, that side effect is you get stuck with CG trailers that people can complain about. Right, and the, yeah. and that's the that's where people complain. Also, all CG, but like that's all we got so far. Like the Outer Worlds yeah. two trailer reveal. Like we don't even know what this game is gonna Classic. be. I love that. The best <laughs> right? trailer because ever. It was so fun. It's so that was and honest so and and an early announcement. And I have nothing against that, but in in parallel, you have um, you you have to somehow also give the fans something to look forward to. And yeah. CGI trailers are not doing that. And that's my my entire point. If you always talk talk about having thirty plus games in development, um, you gotta show find a way to show at least a couple of them to to your fan base and give them something um to, to actually get excited about and i think microsoft can learn here from a lot of other developers it's not just about sony and and um, nintendo it's also a lot of the other big publishers out there that really show gameplay way earlier than microsoft does um and i think that's that's do really a learning can, curve do you think we can live in a world where they can go look our, our gamers are adults so let's show them games that don't yeah. look 100 percent complete but this is what they look like now yeah, Nintendo. Yeah. I wish honestly, we lived in I mean, that world. A couple of games they show way ahead of time, but most games they don't either. Like Metroid Dread, mm -hmm. we didn't never see it until recently before it came out. Uh, with only one I can say that we've really seen gameplay way ahead of time as a Nintendo game is Zelda Breath of the Wild Two. Uh, other than that, too. like we have uh, seen um, Kirby, we have seen Pokemon. Those are all coming out soon. And yeah, but, that's but they have shown showed... them a year ago or something like that. Yeah, so it's. It, it is a yeah they did they did let me read one of the super chats uh, coming in from drawn tj thank you so much for the generous ten dollars don't forget they showed age of empires 4 you're absolutely right i did forget that i yeah. did forget that. i gentlemen i i totally get your points i know what you mean we don't want to take the time out of the developers uh busy schedules um to just create something to uh, a trailer uh, or whatnot um to, so that we are happy but on the other side um it's it's something um that kind of is important for the fan base in my opinion um but let's move on to yeah. another topic i want to uh we have because we are already already <laughs> more than 17 minutes into the show and we have a couple of other things we need to talk about have you guys seen playstation vr2 revealed this week we, we got the first time seeing the the headset um it kind of reminds uh or fits in the general um playstation uh, design language yeah with the white black colors um it is it has an adjustable lens so you can adjust the actual distance towards your head and they talked about having a special ventilation system so that you don't get um fogging in the uh in the lens what what are your thoughts uh ks Santi, on the on the on the psv so i'm uh, gonna do my best to keep this short yeah. on the vr stand so i'm I, i'm gonna okay. geek out on y'all i'm I, you know i've been speaking the vr for a long time I'm super excited to see where this where this goes. Every time a new headset comes out, there's it pushes technology forward, you know. So I'm actually excited to see that that they're actually doing the same. I have my Valve Index right there, and my and my PSV my uh, my uh, Quest Two, and I also have a PSVR One, which honestly that should not be your first VR experience. I did not like that thing at all. But I'm happy yeah, I wasn't a big fan either. Forward. Yeah, it's terrible, right? So specifically with VR. What you get, the, the technology matters, right? It's the difference between mm -hmm. vomiting and having a great experience. If you don't hit a certain frame rate threshold, you're looking for vomit, right? Yeah. So every time, most people that don't like VR go, oh, I tried it on the Gear VR, or I tried it on the PlayStation VR. The PlayStation yeah, VR. That's why. Yeah. 
because the tech in there was not strong enough to handle the quick movements and, and keep the hand to eye tracking perfectly aligned, right? And it looks like they're finally pushing it forward. My, my super excitement for this one is the foveated rendering that they're doing. Uh, PSVR, like, so uh, real quick, Fovia rendering is kind of like what Xbox has, has announced with uh, VRS, you know, where it only puts into, uh, where it, it only maximizes resolution where you're looking, right? Mm -hmm. PSVR 2, uh, what do you call it? The, the, the Quest 2 does that Quest too, but much, yeah. much more simple because they don't have actual eye tracking tech. So the stuff that you're looking at in the middle of your frame has the highest resolution and the stuff on the outside edges have less resolution. And in order they, they do that so that they keep all the power focused on where it can be and give you more resources to render the frame, right? Mm -hmm. So included in this new tech, obviously, would be that eye tracking. So literally they're, they're scanning and keeping an eye on where your retinas are and wherever it sees you looking, that's where the highest resolution will be and all the other sides will just be much less resolution. So even though it may not be like, you know, the, the biggest powerhouse of a machine in the world, they can focus the energy where it, it should be. And hopefully that means it can show you graphics that are much, much higher fidelity than you would see before. This is the first, I think, I think the, the, the Vive Pro use that as well but the vive is, is an open standard they don't they're not closed and one of the pluses of having a closed standard is they they can just enforce this across the board in all their games you know and then every game will benefit from the use of that i'm super excited to see what they do you know uh, it's it's really great that one of them is really still continuing to push forward believe it or not you know I, i'm not the biggest fan of, of facebook meta Ugh, i won't even go there <laughs> But I really appreciated that because everybody complains that, hey, we need AAA games. AAA mm -hmm. games are out there. They're just locked behind the Rift, the old school Oculus Rift store, right? Yeah. The Quest is much lower powered. So unless, you're, unless you figure out how to connect it to your PC and you're able to do the air link or the connecting with cable, you'll never mm -hmm. see the, all those uh, uh, Insomniac games that are literally like sitting there waiting to yeah. be played. The AAA games that nobody ever really got into because VR was too early, right? So yeah. this is hopefully a way forward to really push the envelope, to show us things that really put VR in the forefront. You know, it, it's still a question of whether this is the way you'll be playing your games from now on, right? But I'm I'm all in. I've been all in for many, many years. And I honestly think that it's, it's one of those difficult experiences that you can never like show people you have to put it on your face they say you got to go face on to really to really understand it mm. and this hopefully will entice people to do exactly that you know they're, they're they're following the inside out tracking instead of the outside in tracking all good things to, to move the ball forward right so when i first heard it and and, and there were rumors about half-life alex being at i'm like eh, we'll see how the hardware does it now oh yeah please put half-life alex on there you know, put all of the all of the, the the crazy games that are really really high clip, high high fidelity on there, and let people see that it's actually valuable. Uh, mm. Pro tip for anybody using a Quest Two or even any VR headset: Boneworks, go hunt it down. That is that is uh, I would call that advanced level VR. So if you're not ready to, if you're you don't have your VRC legs on you yet, you may want to hold off because that'll make you barf. <laughs> but it shows you the future of VR. So I, I'm very yeah. excited to to see what what uh, PSVR Two brings. Yeah, yeah, man. Great points. I, I want to give my thoughts as well, and I definitely want to hear Mav's thoughts and and whether Xbox uh, needs uh, or should also um, 
uh, reach out in the in the VR space. But I want to read one super chat that is super generous. Fifty dollars coming in from John T. J. He says, "If I Microsoft, I show concept art in the beginning of making a game, show in-game engine trailer for the middle of the development and towards the end of the development, show someone playing the game, meaning gameplay footage. They need to do this for all." Man, that is a great summary because yeah, I, agree, 100%. Um, I agree 100% because it is not just about showing gameplay. You can also talk about your games and the vision of, for your games with, with different kind of things. Give us an idea of what is the art style going to be. Yeah, they can do idea. more with development blogs as well. Yeah, development right? blogs. Hellblade 2, the Ninja Theory have been doing great uh, uh, yeah. blogs. We, so we, we at least have an idea what is the the... The, the idea behind the game, what, where, where do they want to go with it? And um, that really hits the nail on the head. Um, fantastic summary, fantastic summary. Um, but Mav, let's continue. What are your thoughts on PlayStation VR uh, and 2? And do you think Microsoft should also go into the VR space? Yeah, I think it's uh, very uh, like impressive, right? Mm. Um, I don't think it's going to be a mainstream thing because it's going to be so expensive. Right, it's gonna be expensive because you got to get the box. You got first, you got to get the box. You got to get the PS5. Then you real quick. What do you think? What do you think? Where where will the price point land? Five hundred at least. Uh, It has to be at least four ninety nine. Well, yeah, three ninety nine. Three ninety nine. Sweet spot. The lowest possibility, right? And that probably loss on it at that point. Yeah. Is it it worth it for them knowing it's not going to sell to the masses anyway to take a loss on a niche product to begin with, right? So at that point, I'm thinking, okay, more likely 500. They're in 2.0, so I think they're committed, right? They're in 2.0 at this point. So I do hear you, though. It it will always remain kind of sub- And I'm not saying that as a slight to VR, right? What I'm saying Mm -hmm. is just the reality of, okay, you have to buy this, then you have to buy another thing always limits the amount of people that that's going to reach, right? Regardless Mm -hmm. of how popular it is, um, if, unless it's an inexpensive thing, like it's really not going to be able to reach yeah. the yeah. hundreds of millions that creates a mainstream product, right? But this is exciting because it does help push uh, VR forward, right? And that's the next step. And, and as as long as you still have to have a cable tethered to your head as well, that's always going to be another barrier that keeps it from pushing yeah. forward. So I, as far as Microsoft goes, I don't think Microsoft needs to create a VR device. I just think Xbox needs to exist within VR. Yeah. Like at some point, 100%. a lot of these devices are going to be out there. You've got Oculus, you're going to have the, you know, the Vive, yeah. you have all these other things. And, and there's going to be uh, VR as a platform. And then maybe you can access the different ecosystems within that. So I wouldn't be surprised if Xbox didn't release an Xbox ecosystem within the Oculus or something like that, because they don't mm. need to manufacture their own hardware to be able to sell people games and services within that platform. And Oculus right now is the most mainstream because it's the least expensive and you don't have to have it tethered to anything. You can still have a fun, casual experience with that. Mm -hmm. Eventually, you're going to get an experience like the PSVR, but without the cable required and without Mm -hmm. having to buy another device in order to make it happen. And at that point, that's the end game. Then it's mainstream. And you have reached millions and millions and millions of more people, and everybody's going to want a piece of that. 
right? Yeah. So who's going to yeah. make that device? That's what I want to see. But your, your point you're making there, you know, unfortunately, because of the technology and where we are today, the reason why that that uh, that uh, quest is a is a casual experience is because of that tetherless world. Oh, 100 percent. Right? Yeah. But it also sells more than any other VR. Out there. Sure. Because it's easier right. to get into. Right. But but yeah. those of us that are in the hardcore world that want that AAA experience, you need the cable. Right. You, yeah. The, the, I, the I, get, of, I get it. I get yeah, it. The amount yeah. of data you're moving and the amount of uh, uh, rendering that needs to be done will not fit on any face device by itself. There needs to be some kind of port, some device somewhere, even Wi-Fi that, 6. That's the heavy lifting, but, yeah. But that's eventually, right. eventually it will. It will get right? there. And, yeah. and that's that's what I'm saying. Like at that point, yeah. then it becomes more of your you have yeah. an audience and, and mm -hmm. a, then you have a bigger target. Like Xbox isn't really interested in going after a target of a few million, mm -hmm. right? They're mm -hmm. interested in the billions. Right, they're, yeah, they're going after yeah. the big game here now. When VR reaches a point where it's on hundreds and hundreds of millions of people's faces, at that point, it's more of a relevant uh, ecosystem for them to invest in. And it's just the technology hasn't gotten to that point yet. Now, it's still a great thing, especially for VR enthusiasts and also for pushing the technology forward. So I commend Sony for doing this and investing in that because somebody has to, mm -hmm. right? And they're mm -hmm. doing a great job with this, and they're really pushing gaming forward on those devices. So this is not yeah. a shot at that whatsoever. I'm just saying as far as Xbox getting in on the ecosystem, I don't know if that's something they are going to do until it reaches a larger amount of people. Mm -hmm. And until it reaches to what I talked about, which was probably several years away. I, I don't know if they're several more iterations to... away. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Several I don't more know. iterations away. I don't know yeah. if they're going to get all in on it. Or, you know what I mean? So it, yeah, I, I agree 100%. The thing for me with VR always is um, it, it is a great experience, but it is a, is in, in your everyday life, it can be a challenging experience. And yeah. for instance, when, when I play VR, um, I'm completely immersed. I can't see, come I, do my kids come into the room? What is happening around me? I have the headphones mm -hmm. on. I don't hear. I don't see anything. This, this is an experience that doesn't fit in everybody's life. On top of that, KSN said it, the technology really has to be at a certain level. Otherwise, your experience will be bad. Um, and and um, all of that means you, you need to find solutions around that um, to, to have people still be able to, to you know, or... or we are being able to 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 fit in the everyday life and be, becoming mainstream, and I appreciate Sony doing uh, pushing it forward, not stopping after the first iteration, mm -hmm. moving it forward. That is is a great thing. I still I also think that Microsoft doesn't need to have to do their own VR device. There are so many other companies doing it. Um, they could just partner up, and that transitions perfectly over into another super chat coming in from Drawn TJ. He says. Um, Xbox just push uh, publish games on VR devices. Team up with Valve. Yeah, bring Game Pass to to other um, to existing um, yeah. VR platforms. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I think that this is probably their uh, intention as well. Um, but yeah, great great discussion. Let's talk about one last topic before we move into the community questions of the week. And I want to bring that to Matt first because I know he's a he's a streamer. He likes to stream, especially on YouTube. Um, yeah. But this one is related to Twitch. Um, do anybody, any of you gentlemen, stream on Twitch? I. I, I broadcast to Twitch, but it's not my primary okay. platform. It's not your primary. I've dabbled with it in the past as well myself. Yeah. yeah. 
So um, I'm on a podcast with um, uh, on every Wednesday, the Midweek Mixer podcast uh, on the Wandering Dutch ch uh, channel. And we have a lot of uh, Twitch streamers in that panel. So I know that these gentlemen are very happy, like Patio um, and uh, Vincent, um, that that this news happened this week. And uh, Twitch is now coming directly integrated into the Xbox dashboard. So you can start your stream from the guide, um, manage your live stream and audio settings in the guide. And you can also now plug in a webcam um, and then just go live directly from the menu um, of Xbox. Um, what do you guys think? Uh, good move. Um, is there anything else you're missing? Because yeah. I always say, why Why doesn't is, is YouTube streaming not support from, from the Xbox consoles? Um, Let's hear yeah. it. Yeah. So this is like they I don't know if a lot of people remember, but this has been a feature that they've had since Xbox One generation originally. And then they took away some features. Right. Because mm -hmm. uh, we yeah. this is how I used to actually stream to Twitch back in the day when I was just dabbling like, oh, I'm just going to try it. You know, you can yeah. you can easily turn it on. You could set it there. It was in your guide. You just turned on the broadcast and turned it off. Right. And it was also uh, you had. um you could put in a camera, all the, all these different things. So this this has already existed in the past, but then they rolled it back and took away some of the features and made it a more of a hurdle to, to do this. Yeah, and, that was still uh, during so, the mixer times, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And I think that's probably probably why, because they were invested in a mixer and they didn't want to have Twitch become a larger uh, thing on their platform than what they were pushing themselves. So. Um, when my wife streams, she streams on Twitch uh, via the Xbox, and she has been. Uh, the main yeah. problem that they've had with Twitch on Xbox is actually not about the uh, um, a lot of the integration. For me, it's always been about the quality. Because when you've mm -hmm. stream streamed on Twitch from an Xbox directly in the past, there's a lot of pixelation that goes on, when, especially when you move around and you look around with the camera. And that's something that they've needed to address. I'm hoping that is actually fixed with this update as well. Um, because even if you have a great connection, sometimes it doesn't matter. There's a weird, weird effect that goes on the screen when you're streaming straight from an Xbox. So um, that hopefully was addressed. But also, I do like the fact that they, they say you can customize it a little bit more as well. Um, and it's good to see them re getting uh, re uh, getting reacquainted with the Twitch as pushing that as a as a streaming platform. I would like to see YouTube. Uh, integration as well because I think PlayStation's YouTube integration is excellent. The stream yeah. quality coming from PlayStation it, into YouTube well is done. excellent quality. So that's the main thing is the quality. Like you got to get mm. those Twitch streams quality up. Like it, that's until until that's done, nothing else really matters for me. Yeah, because there's actually let me, third let party me briefly. Yeah, let me briefly on that particular topic read a super chat coming in from yeah. John TJ. Um, he says Microsoft needs to stop being lazy and pay Google to integrate YouTube in Xbox. They can afford it. Basically, what you said, um, it's it's time for them um, to actually bring YouTube streaming to the console. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, as far as I don't know, like if they can't get the quality right, though, then at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Because yeah. streamers are not going to want to have their gameplay, and it just looks bad on on the stream, yeah. right? So even with the integration in the past, um, streamers that actually stream a lot have chosen to use other methods to capture the gameplay because the quality was so bad coming out of the Xbox into the mm. into the stream. So I'm yeah. hoping that's addressed with this. And, and um, until that is done, I don't know if anything else matters. But 
it's good to see it's at least going to be more forward facing like it used to be. Um, and this is not as much of a um, new, brand new thing as it's reintroducing something for me. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. All right, gentlemen. It's uh, we we've we've gone through well, a lot of what? topics. Be before, before yeah, please we move on. I would like to add one piece to that puzzle. Please do. Uh, please do. The, the 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 conversation that Mav is talking, and he's absolutely right about the quality always being a little lower. It's probably because of the method that the micro that that the operating systems work. Right? Mm -hmm. They use virtual machines, mm -hmm. and the difference is PlayStation is like just on the metal. So they can literally show you everything you're seeing on your screen streamed. Whereas there's always an obstruction layer between what you see on your screen on Xbox and it has to get out of its own operating system to then go. There's always something there slowing things down, mm. right? So that's the reason why it's always been a little less quality than the PlayStation version, right? Different, different decisions they've made, right? They have pluses there, right? Because, because of that, everything could be in the cloud. Because of that, your, your saves can follow you wherever you go. But the mm -hmm. flip side of that is when you're, when you're streaming stuff, you're not seeing directly from the metal. You're seeing it from a virtual machine that then is the output to your screen that then is also translated through the network into it. So there's always something in the middle there. Yeah, it has to now, go through more layers. Exactly. More mm. layers to get to you. And because of that, there's degradation there, right? Now, as far as what they, I think they should do, they should like look at the PC and go, let's mimic that. Beyond just simple emulation, right? So beyond simple customization, they should go, hey, everyone that streams on Twitch and all these platforms stream on PC because there's ultimate customization there. How about we let people put their own overlays in? How about, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm. how about we let people really take it there on their boxes? Because at this point, those things are basically pretty mid to high tier PCs, depending on who you're yes. talking to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Allow them to to ho allow Boxenberger to host World of Gaming through the damn app, the, the the damn console. It is possible. Yeah. The hardware is there, right? That's yeah. what would get people to use it more. It'll never be as great as PC is, but not everybody's ready to invest in monster PCs to do what they need to do, yeah. right? But if it's you guys, it's a convenience make, thing to, to right. get you in. Yeah, that's yeah. right. If you if you if you clean up the UI, you make it easy for people to upload their 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 overlays. Make yeah. it easy for people to you know add their webcams, get in there add third party applications and and hardware, you know, if, if you can plug in a stream deck and all of a sudden you have shortcuts on the console to, to your, to your streaming setup without necessarily having a PC, that'll go a long way to convince people. Yeah. Stream may not be perfect, but it does a lot that I don't have to build this monster rig to do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that would go, go yeah. a long way. Couldn't agree more. Um, definitely, uh, like, like I said, it's the ease of convenience, the, the convenience on console to, for for people that are new to Twitch or YouTube streaming or even yeah. Facebook streaming. Yeah, um, I just want to try it out, and you don't invest a lot of money in just trying something out if it is for you. And and this convenience has to be there. And like I said, you can make it much closer to the experience you have on PC uh, on these consoles now. All right. Um, yeah, we, we went through a lot of news. I actually wanted to also talk about Call of Duty um, getting delayed in 2023 um, and uh, State of Decay 2 update. But I think it's um, I don't want to blow the show up. I, it's time to move on um, to the community questions. <laughs> Yeah, I see Math is already uh, getting the hype up for the community oh, yeah, questions. Go. 
Less. So each and every week, um, I, I collect questions on Twitter, on YouTube, um, from the community so that people can also be part of the show, even though they are not watching or listening live. And um, as always, a lot of fantastic questions came in this week. Uh, I had to pick a few of them because we can't get to all of them just too many and that's what i really appreciate about the community they actually think about things and and write in and want to want us to discuss a couple of things so um yeah the first question of this week comes in from web dave um he said i was wanting to know the panel's thoughts on when will xbox have an announcement show to reveal new game footage and release dates yeah, we talked about this a little bit earlier that they should have it. Do you guys? So I, I want to rephrase this question. Do you guys think we will have one uh, event before E3 or something, a, a shorter show or something, where they they give us an update before? Well, it's not E3, but you know what I mean. The June July event that is is coming. You want to take this case, Ante? Uh sure. I I I suspect that you may not get Xbox proper till E3 timeframe, mm -hmm. but you'll probably, you probably will get like uh, ID at Xbox come out and give you like an indie showcase or of some, yeah. of some sort sooner rather than later. Okay. Uh, remember a really big, big dog that's quietly looming is coming in the form of tunic. That's not going to just drop. That's going to drop mm -hmm. with big that's fanfare. In, at least it's in March so. actually. Yeah. Exactly. It's not so, three weeks or so. Yeah, exactly. So I, I suspect it won't just be, Oh, well, here you go. I suspect it will be um, amongst other really excellent titles. It may not be the big show that you're looking for, but I do suspect you might start seeing that kind of stuff. And then they'll wait, they'll leave the big dogs for, for, for that time frame where E3 mm -hmm. normally would be, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Um, agreed. Um, what I think will carry the narrative till um, E3, the E3 showcase is probably the Game Pass announcements. We will hear those um, over the course of the next months, um, but I don't think we will see a lot of trailers or so before the E3 kind of thing, whatever it will be. Um, adding up on that question is a, a, um, is a question coming in from Worth Fit. He said the following. Recently, Final, Final Fantasy's 14 lead Yodi P shared his plans for the upcoming patches for the next few years. What to expect, names of the upcoming raids, etc. Why do other companies or are other companies so hesitant to share their long-term plans? If 343 Studios, for instance, shared their 10-year plan with the community, do you think it would be a positive or weaponized uh, uh, into the negative? Mav, let's let's hear your thoughts. Uh, I think that. It would be dangerous because a lot of things change in a time span. And, you know, I, you could get, I like a roadmap, right? But I, I think a roadmap over for the next like two, three years is more necessary as mm. opposed to like such a like a 10 year plan. Now, when you say like you have a game that you're supporting for 10 years is different. But I, I would say that maybe Halo Infinite could say, here's what's planned for season two or here's what's planned yeah. for season three, right? Um, as opposed to, um you know laying out a 10-year thing for like what everything that this company's doing for a long haul you know mm -hmm. um but things are very fluid in the gaming industry um think yes, about 2012 are. to 2022 how many yeah. things have changed right <laughs> indeed everything has changed right so 
you you can have ideas of where you think you're going to be, but it, it, it's never going to potentially be that. If you thought, we will if, play yeah. on a different console generation in 10 years. <laughs> yeah. if, if Microsoft yeah. and Xbox thought they were buying Bethesda Zenimax and Activision Blizzard 10 years ago, mm -hmm. hey, kudos to whoever uh, whoever thought that was going to happen, right? That they, they Things are fluid, right? And and always changing depending on who's in charge, what 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 the trends are in the industry at the time, and all of these things. And um, even PlayStation is making dramatic changes now that yeah. they probably never thought they were going to have to. Is all accelerated from the last couple of years. Yeah. So I, so I think ten year, year plan plans are... basically too long. Um, I yeah. think so too. Um, but I also think uh, a little bit more transparency for these uh, ongoing games could yeah. be helpful, um, especially if you take the example of Halo. Um, I think we all agree that it's time that we get an uh, update and a little bit more content, new maps uh, or stuff. And uh, it would definitely also already help to know when is uh, is an update coming or what's the plan for the next update. Um I, I agree there. Um, and that was actually planned, and uh, but they delayed. Yes, the but then they, they delayed, delayed it they, again. Yeah, yeah. They de well, they didn't delay the up. They didn't delay the actual update. They delayed our announcement of the of mm. of the content, right? And I think it's probably because they're still trying to finalize what's all going to be in there. But as yeah. of right now, that's still slated for May sometime, and um, but we don't know 100 what's all going to be included. So again, it's all fluid. So if they had said it, like you know hey this is going to be there and then it doesn't happen you get a lot of upset people yeah so they're trying to make sure that they nail down what's all going to 100 be in season two which is still a few months away right and yeah, after yeah. that if they keep the same cadence for three and four then you can really start talking about issues there with how they're handling things but right now it's still within after the release window mm -hmm. and also going into the first next season and a lot of these games when they release like this they're not even in season one until months after they release. Like Apex yeah. Legends was out for months before they ever even had a season one, right? So it just kind of depends on how they're going to do things. Yeah, I think that the, the issue here is that people are now used to these um, faster updates in the ongoing live service games like Fortnite, like Warzone yeah. and so on. Um, they, never, they, they didn't start out that way. Yeah, right. it didn't start, but they they are used to it, and um, yep. I think that is simply the issue. But um, I, I absolutely agree with you. I, I um, want to bring the next question to KSN mm -hmm. first. Um, coming from Dan Darcy, he he writes in and asks: With PlayStation having a pretty damn good release schedule for at least the first half of this year, and Xbox being very bare bones, do you think that Xbox would have been wise to get one of the new blockbuster games like Elden Ring, Dying Light 2, one of these February games, as a day one on Game Pass? So let's see. Honestly, my opinion on it is they're kind of. I hear what, you, what he's saying, and he has a point in that for those of us who are paying attention to that. But it seems to me, from my reading of said tea leaves, it seems to me that Microsoft and Xbox is trying to play their own game, right? And they're trying to get their 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 Netflix of games wheels turning. And it's just, obviously, we've already discussed it at length uh, on the show already with the pandemic and other things kind of slowing things down. So when it slows them down, they're more focused on getting it back on track rather than having an answer to the quote-unquote competitor. You know what I'm saying? So... It's not like oh, it th th this is not this is not, uh, this is this doesn't have 
what we need or we don't have enough to, to provide this season. So let's let's uh, secure uh, money for the other so that the other guy can't say they have one up on us. You know, it, it seems like they're just so focused on getting their own thing done that they're kind of doing it in a vacuum. And sometimes that means you get releases one after another after another before you even catch a break. Look at the look at Forza Horizon 5 dropping. And then right after that, before Forza even crest, you got Halo dropping because at that time they the had multiplayer, that. Right? Yeah. Exactly. And then there's there's a dearth of content for a while, right? It's just it I I do see the point that he's making because mm -hmm. for those of us who pay attention to the balls and strikes if you will, it's kind of like, well, they got one up on you. Why don't you, you know, secure something so you have something to say as well. Yeah. As I've seen it, it looks like PlayStation has more of an incentive to play that game because that's the game they've played. They they played that we sell you the box. You pay for the content game, right? Whereas since yeah. Xbox is really trying to make that, you know, every few months we have we have really high class or you know uh, uh, hidden gems for you. They're busy yeah. trying to get that off the ground, and sometimes they hit and sometimes they don't, and they're focused on trying to get that wheel turning more than trying to answer to what somebody else is doing. That's what it looks yeah. like, you know. Yeah, I agree. I I don't think that. The strategy of Microsoft or um, Nintendo, for that matter, is always about, um, oh, our competitor did this right now, so we have to have a reaction immediately to this, um, maybe an announcement or a game release or something like that. I don't think that this is how they, they look at the industry and um, how the things work. I, I agree there. I agree there. Um, and... By the way, Game Pass is getting a lot of games um, coming uh, actually really soon, bigger and smaller ones. Shredders mm -hmm. coming in March, yeah. Um, MLB The Show is coming on April 4th. Um, Warhammer Darktide is also scheduled for spring uh, this year. And then, of course, um, a little bit later this year, we get a Blake Tail, we get Scorn, Atomic Heart. What, what it looks like is it looks like those people who call those balls and strikes are always looking for first party. And that's why yeah. they, they'll see the dearth, you know what I'm saying? But yeah. if you just look at it holistically, there's just so much to play. There's always there's something. Right? something. Yeah. I don't I don't think we run out of games to play. Um yeah. So let us um move to the last question uh, of the day coming in from Andrew Source. Um who's actually coming from Australia, but he always writes in in German to practice his German. So I kind of have to translate now over. <laughs> and um, he says, okay, the consoles are still hard to get. Um, but with regard um, to, to it that we have waited for them for about two years and um, from the announcement till we were able to purchase them, uh, he is he kind of feels like there's still a compromise in power, resolution versus performance. Um, are the consoles not powerful enough or is it still the issue that we have don't have the tools ready and um, the, the entire story we, we heard for, for so long? Mev, what, what do you think? Um, well, it's interesting, actually, uh, Colt Eastwood and also some other people, I think you maybe even uh, released also a video regarding kind of like the next-gen technology on mm -hmm. these consoles and how it's starting to finally be able to be utilized and they need to cut off the last-gen to really uh, fully utilize it. Right? Girl, so, and stop whatever they are doing. Um, and we'll have to be ready for them to... No, on. So, so, sorry, I, I wanted Stop to change us. the gameplay <laughs> uh, on display here. And, uh, 
it always I the, the the mute button wasn't there because the other uh, was one that was that was Drax that was Drax yeah sorry man, for it, the interruption oh no yeah. you're fine dude I, I think that um you know they they just gotta uh I mean, what were we even talking about now Drax has got the, me all like <laughs> we were talking about the death Cross tools not being ready and oh yeah 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 sorry, and man. Uh, are the like, consoles here, powerful I, enough or or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear Guardians of the Galaxy, and my mind just goes into the MCU, and I'm just, like, lost. Okay, so, um, yeah, I, I think that once these next-gen-only games start getting released, we're probably going to see more of that uh, mm-hmm. capabilities. And as far as them being held back, I mean, these consoles are very powerful. They're very good consoles. They're going to last us for a really yeah. long time. And we're getting open-world games that are massive at 4K60 resolutions a lot of times mm-hmm. now which is insane to me that we can even have this experience to begin with. So I don't really feel like we're held like, like we're not experiencing something amazing. Like, a, yeah. like there was a huge quality gap for me, even coming from a one X to a series X, not necessarily in terms of resolution or fidelity on, on some of those games, but in a, the fact that you can have those uh, great graphics and fidelity with 60 frames and plus, mm. Right. So now we're moving into this next-gen-only phase going into the next few years, probably 2023, 2024, uh, 2025. Yeah. We're going to see uh, the the real power unleashed um, from these consoles. So it'll be uh, it'll be exciting to see that. So uh, I, if, I would only like to add a small yeah, thing to please. that. It's because they're developing harder, not smarter. And a lot of these <laughs> new technologies require smart development. And if you yeah. have old gen tech, which is the last gen consoles, you can't account yeah. for both, right? And like, for example, the Series S. The Series S is not the strongest on the block, but it's the smartest on the block. And as yeah. long as your development process does not account for the smart tools, you know, the VRSs and, and, and the using of machine learning and all of that, then you'll mm-hmm. never see its likeness. That's why people go, oh, why is it that the Xbox released a console that can barely do 30 frames? Because yeah. the development platforms, the engines they're using don't account for that. So wait until they stop developing for the Jaguar Core old ones, and you'll be surprised at what the Series S specifically can do. Because then they'll be using that smart tech, right? They don't yeah. have to account for the old hardware. Yeah, yeah. I I totally agree here. The th- thing is, I also understand why people feel that way. Um, it is um. We have heard for for one year, oh, the most powerful console is coming. And yes, we had the pandemic and everything. And there's always an explanation. Yeah, there's always an explanation. But in the end, I I get why people feel that way. Because we have waited a long time until they came out. We heard they are the most powerful consoles ever. Then they are out and suddenly stuff isn't performing as as we expected. Yeah, then we heard, okay, the tools are not, were not ready and, and stuff. And this goes on now for a long time. Yes, for instance, there was, um, Matthew mentioned it, this update on VRS 2.0. The thing is, uh, Colt did a video. I know I made a video about a year ago when they first announced that VRS 2.0 is ready for, for the development on the, and available on the development kit. That I looked it up. It was February last year. Um, of course, there has been an update uh, a little bit. That's what Colt um, reported on. But um, the thing is, um, this narrative goes on for so long. But then yeah. um, I absolutely agree here. 
it takes a long time to adjust because a lot of these techniques, um, and it's not just the VRS, VRS is actually a very simple one that can actually also work on the old one, uh, uh, um, engines in theory, if it's software-based. But, but let's have a look at things like mesh shaders. You really have to change your entire rendering pipeline. It's not that you just change it and make it optional. It is a complete different way how a, a rendering pipeline actually works. So, um, Luxembourg, let me, let, me, let me throw in and ask you a quick question. Yeah. Because I've been having this back and forth debate with my, with my podcast partner. Shout out to Everborn Saga. Mm -hmm. We always go back and forth about this. I believe that this problem, and you're absolutely right, how people, yeah. consumers don't see all the backend stuff, right? Yeah. So I feel that it was, this is a big slide on Microsoft. Even though the development platforms aren't ready, all things that you're absolutely right about, wasn't it their responsibility, just like they did with, let's say, with, let's say, the Surface brand. They got tired mm -hmm. of people mess, show, sh uh, giving terrible hardware with their operating system and said, hey, here's a Surface. This is how it could look. Yeah. Isn't their responsibility to make a first-party game from jump using all those features? Even though we're not ready yet, here's the here's even if it's a tech demo here's yeah. the, a, a vision of the future so that anytime anybody says well give it time mm -hmm. this is what can potentially happen they have not done yeah. that they yeah. leave it to the responsibility of the third parties who are still stuck in the old gen Yes, right? and they and will that, probably right? be for longer time Long because time. they That's right. they want to publish on as many possible de uh, devices as, as possible. So yeah. I agree there. Um, we did kind of did get that demo um, at the Game Awards uh, in December, but uh, with Hellblade. Sure. That was probably well, the first like one where we... Somebody can play. Somebody, exactly. You know. I, yeah. I know. I totally would know what you mean. So the something like the Matrix well. demo. Yeah. Exactly. Something like that. That's right. The yeah, first something party, like something that. They I agree make, there. You know? And that brings me to my uh, last point before we close off, because um, like Mav said, wait for the next-gen games. The next-gen games are coming this year. Starfield will be one. We will um, get Redfall will be next-gen only. We will, um, even games like Stalker 2, yeah, next-gen only. The next Forza, next-gen only. Microsoft will release from now on um, all their first and third-party exclusive games um, only on next-gen. So... I really anticipate um, Starfield. It's my one of my most anticipated games. And I think that we will see this technology implemented there. And I get that people say that's a long wait time. It's more than two years into the generation until we get that kind of game. But that's the thing. The consoles launched in the, in the pandemic. Um, and it, it just takes time to adapt. And, and we've seen it with the... every generation yeah. you get generation. the you get the you get the people get games. impatient yeah yeah you get the games that take the most advantage of the of the hardware that yeah. started development after the hardware has been released has, right yes so exactly. you're gonna have like five six years from now you're gonna be like wow yeah. that's crazy you're like we got red dead redemption 2 on a on an xbox yeah. one x and, xbox and even if we look at, uh, at the unreal engine and maybe that's uh, really the last point now um before i let you gentlemen go um Unreal Engine 5 still hasn't officially released. It's still uh, in, in a beta form, and they have to actually delayed their official um, production release um, uh, until summer this year and didn't give an official date. Um, if, if you notice, every game that has been delayed recently has suspiciously been an Unreal 5 game. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Of course, a lot of developers are still wor already working with that engine. But I'm just saying, yeah, the, the official release still 
even though we, we have seen that engine what now two years ago for the first time almost two years ago um running on the on the playstation uh, there where it was a playstation exclusive but um you know and that's just what i'm saying uh, it takes time and it takes simply longer during the special circumstances we have right now but with that, gentlemen, I want to come to an end. I know Mav also has to leave uh, in about four minutes, and um, I want to. But I want to really take the opportunity and say a big thank you for, to the two of you. It's been awesome chatting with you. Um, I had a blast. I hope you did too. And please, gentlemen, let people know where they can find you, Mav. Where can people find you? What have you? Uh, what have you coming up? Um, let's hear. Yeah, tonight on Fun Speculation on YouTube. Uh, our, our Archie here has got our link below, so click on that, and you will find exactly. Hong Soul and I, who you've had on your show as well. Uh, it was an awesome episode. Uh, you'll see Pong Soul and I uh, deep dive on some great topics. So we're going to talk about Call of Duty being uh, no longer annualized in the future, and all this kind mm. of stuff um, on PM and the PM. So that's tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern, and then tomorrow night and Friday night at 9 p.m. Eastern time. We have Xbox Ultimate Podcast, where we're going to have a great time. We go a little crazy on that show sometimes. It's okay. And then, as always, guys, <laughs> um, at nighttime, you can see me streaming games, having some fun, and uh, interacting with you. So I appreciate anybody who's always stopping by and all the support that you show to our channel. Um, and this was a lot of fun, dude. So thank you for having me. And uh, great points by both you of you. Thank you for coming on. Uh, Asante, it's a pleasure, as always, my dude. Yeah. No, thanks again for coming on. It really has been a pleasure. And again, for everyone, you can find the link to Mav's channel in the description of the sh uh, of this show. But KSN, also a big thank you to you. It's been a pleasure with you uh, here on the show. Um, I had a blast. Thank you for taking the time. Let people know where they can find you and what you have coming up. Yeah, thank you guys so much. It's an honor being invited on the show. Watch it all the time. You know, and, and of course, thank it's always you. a pleasure podcasting with Mav. Uh, when I'm working, he, he's on my screen. It's either you or him or boom. You guys keep, keep my, my days interesting. So I really appreciate it. So thank you guys, everybody who hasn't checked out my, my, my stuff. TKO Asante on Twitter, Xbox, PlayStation, all those places. This weekend on the Gaming Circle podcast, this Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, we will be honored to welcoming Delilah HD from Grown Woman Gaming oh. to the show as our guest and we'll Fantastic be having some interesting guest. conversation. Yes. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that guest. And of course, I will be gushing on Forbidden West. I will be gushing. Nice. Let me warn you now, there'll be a lot of gushing. So come Dude. come enjoy my, there'll be some criticism here and there, but more gushing than anything else. But that's what's nice. going on. <laughs> Thank y'all so much for having me. I appreciate it. No, thanks. Thanks again for taking the time. Yeah, thanks everyone in chat. Um, it's been awesome as always. You guys have been on fire. I want to say a big thanks again for all the super chats that came in, the channel memberships. It really means a lot uh, support and it helps a lot. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, we will be back next week um, with another surprise guest. Um, and yeah it's it's been a, an awesome show thank you all for showing up and i want to always end the show with reminding you that you guys should not forget to game on <laughs>